Now on RTE Choice, a short documentary from Colette Kinsella through Cairo Airport. I came from Ireland. I came from a small town. I came from a family of eight. It was a very nice lifestyle, a nice upbringing. My father was an insurance agent. We had a nice standard of living. Uh, Then I went to England. I worked at the University of Birmingham. I had a nice job. I had a nice apartment. I had a great life. And I went off and did this one crazy thing that changed my life forever. Bridget knows exactly what she was wearing when she took the flight that changed her life. I always remember I had a green suit, a black hat and two feathers. The year was 1974 and I had a white coat with a fur collar. And the airport she landed in was Cairo International. It was her first time in Egypt. And when she got outside the terminal, she realised she was slightly overdressed. I found all these boys and men in pyjamas. And I kept thinking, why are they in pyjamas at the airport? It doesn't make sense. Is it a pyjama party? Then I saw sheep running everywhere with pink dogs on their back. No car park. Complete chaos. I thought I had stepped back in time. Magda also travelled through Cairo Airport. My name is Magda Manley, originally from Egypt. I am from Port Said. Port Said is the entrance of the Suez Canal. I was born there, raised up until I was 17 of age. We moved to Cairo. I studied there myself and my sisters and brother in the university. I studied dentistry. When Magda took the journey that changed her life, things were a bit different. The year was 1989, and she'd arrived in Dublin. I remember it very well. My sister collected me from the airport, and I felt everything quiet. Everything quiet. And, of course, the cold. I said, oh, my God. What? (laughs) Where I am? The story you're about to hear is about two women, Bridget from Kerry and Magda from Port Said in Egypt. Both of their stories start off in a similar way. They each decided to get on a plane, leaving behind family and friends, to go and live in a country with a completely different culture, language and even a different alphabet. And you may well ask why they did this. Well, for the oldest reason in the book. Oh, a man. Madness. 
<laughs> Bridget flew to Cairo to marry an Egyptian man. Met and married in six weeks. <laughs> and Magda married an Irishman. My husband is Peter Manley. And went to live in Dublin. But there's one thing you need to know, though. This isn't a fairy tale. It's a story about discovery, compromise, and mostly, I suppose, about coping. Now we're back in Cairo Airport with Bridget. It's 1974, and so far everything has gone well. She's made her way through customs, managed to find all her bags, and now she's heading for the exit. There's somebody outside to pick her up. My husband-to-be was waiting with his mother and father. The bags are put in the car. And finally, we were on our way. And they drive towards the city. On the drive into Cairo, Bridget gets her first look at the city she'll soon call home. And it's so different to anything she's seen in Birmingham. Cairo is teeming with busy life. Bustling markets, people rushing to and from work, but if the streets were noisy and chaotic outside, things were a lot quieter inside. No one was speaking in the car. But Bridget didn't realize that things were about to get worse. We get to the apartment. And I'm sitting down, all on my own, and no one is coming. I finally realize that I'm actually on my own. And there is no one coming. Finally, I go to bed. That morning, at dawn, I heard this terrible screaming and roaring. It was very shortly after the 73 war, I thought it was an air raid. So I ran onto the bed, and then I heard a knock on the door, on the bedroom door, and there was this girl who looked like something out of, out of Africa. I mean, her hair was standing on her head. She had a tray with some form of breakfast on it. I came out from under the bed. She saw me. I screamed. She screamed. She dropped the tray. And I said, oh, my God, what was that? I finally discovered it was not an area. That was the call for prayers at dawn, of course, which I had never heard before. Bridget's father-in-law did eventually come up to visit her. He told her the reason she was being left alone in the apartment was... Because in Egypt, you did not live or stay in the same house as the man you're going to marry because 
it was not part of the culture and it was not accepted. But that wasn't the only reason. Later, Bridget realised something else. They didn't really want a foreigner either marrying their son, their only son. So it started from there. All the trials and difficulties that were ahead of you. I'll, I'll take mine first because okay. it's still a bit uh, sugar. No, thanks. This is Magda's front room. Oh, that's a beautiful pot. It, it's for the same. I got it here from Ireland, actually. When I yeah. Was and, actually and as you can hear, we're sitting down to tea. The walls are filled with photos. And that's Jonathan, Peter's nephew. And stories. That's Eilish, his sister. Happy stories. That's Anthony and his friends in Spain in a holiday. As well as tragic ones. That's my sister, the one who was in Ireland. Magda's sister died several years previously. She was a doctor in Temple Street. That's my niece in Egypt. She died. She was 20 years old and she died in an accident. It was a bus and there was 45 student in the bus and all of them died. Uh, that's Peter's nephew. He died. He was 19 as well. But the first tragedy in Magda's life was perhaps one of the toughest. I was married at that time, but not Peter. It happened in the early 80s when Magda was still living in Egypt. My husband was a medical doctor. He died when he was 39 of age. Massive heart attack. I was at that time 35 of age. At that time, I just kept on my, you know, just the life to go on. But her family was worried about Magda. After three years grieving the loss of her husband, they thought she needed a change, perhaps a holiday. I didn't agree with them because I was busy with my life, like, you know, between my work, between my friends. So they suggested she should visit her sister, who was then living in Ireland. I didn't feel what they say except when I agreed at the end and I came over here and I felt maybe a bit better. Maybe. I don't know. While Magda was coming to terms with her loss, Bridget was gaining a new family member. When my children were born, there was no pampers. You couldn't get baby clothes, no uh, baby powder, Vaseline, all these things that you take for granted. There was absolutely nothing available in Egypt in 1975. No automatic washing machines, no uh, soap. There were queues outside the co-ops for things. There was no cosmetics, no types, no basics. 
And I think the thing I missed the most at that time were newspapers and magazines. I remember going to the library in my father-in-law's house and opening it, and they were all in Arabic. So, of course, finally I had to learn Arabic. I had to learn cooking. I had to learn all about the culture. And you just got into the way of life. The first uh, week I came here, that was March. It's freezing cold. And um, I'm not going out. So my mother-in-law, she is fantastic. God rest her soul. She is fantastic woman. She came to me to visit me here. And I was telling her, I'm called to go out. And so how you do your shopping, she said. I didn't do my shopping, I said. So she said, Magda, listen. That the weather, we can change the weather here in Ireland. So the only thing you can do is change yourself. So you have to, you have to go out. But what I really want to know is, where did it all start? You do something to me. Why was Bridget attracted to an Egyptian man? Something that simply mystifies me. Was it the adventure? Tell me was she running from something? Why should it be? Or even to something? You have the power to hypnotize me. It turns out it was none of these things. Let me live neath your spell. It was all circumstances, actually, at the end. Circumstances. Now that's an interesting way of putting it. Because you do something to me. That nobody else could do. I never thought about really getting married, to be quite honest with you. Maybe if I met him a month or two later, I wouldn't have been interested. But at that time, I thought, oh, him, Cairo, yes, why not? Let's go. But she didn't completely believe in the idea of marriage. So I ended up getting married in a registry office because I thought, oh, if I get married in the Catholic Church, I won't be able to divorce him. So <laughs> I better keep an open door here because you're not allowed to live together. Had we been allowed to live together, we probably would never have married. Magda shared 10 years of her life with her husband before he died. Three years after his death, she visited her sister in Ireland. My sister, my older sister, was working here as a doctor in Temple Street. She had taken her family's advice to take a holiday. I met Peter through my sister because he's a friend to her family. That was the first time I start to feel like life is still, still there, like, you know. Because in Egypt, I just didn't want to do any relationship and that I, maybe I wasn't ready for it. When I came over here, I felt life is lovely, it's nice. And uh, that's how I met Peter. And we started our relationship. It started by, what did you see in Ireland? What did you see in Dublin? Okay, I'll come. If I said no, uh, come with me, I'll show it to you. 
Just after Magda and Peter became close, Magda's visa expired. So when I went back to Egypt, we were kept on with the phone or letters. He came to Egypt after that. So it was between Egypt and Ireland, Egypt and Ireland. And uh, at the end, we made our decision to do something about it. <laughs> and this is what Peter did. He said to me, Maggie, I want, he calls me Maggie, I want to make an honest woman out of you. And I couldn't understand that's an expression, Irish expression for to propose. So I said, what do you mean? I'm honest. I don't need you to make me honest. Peter's proposal wasn't a typical Egyptian proposal. Here, usually they are arranged. There's no such thing as falling in love or anything like that. So it's all very formal, uh, these marriages. You know, it really means, okay, he's a good person, she's a good person, we're putting you together, you get married, we'll provide you, and hopefully he will provide for her and that they will stay married and so on. Bridget is still married, though she and her husband live separate lives. Magda is also still married and living in Dublin. This is a wedding dress. It is a wedding dress. And her days are filled with weddings. I found it beautiful. <laughs> what do you think yourself? She puts the finishing touches to design her wedding dresses. It's a strapless dress, a beautiful cream strapless dress, and the bodice has an amazing amount of tiny beads hand sewn in. Magda, how much time does it take to do all this? It takes time. Ha all, always hand work takes time. But it bends about the hands, the gift in the hands to get the things accurate and uh, neat. That's the only thing. So Magda still works with her hands. I'm trying to show you how I spend Though not as a dentist. my time at home. I, I just do these, but these are for um, Christmas cards you know, beaded as well. But I do this for charity. I give some to my church for the Christmas fair, some to Peter's church. Bridget's life fair. is also filled with charity work. We have a very big fundraiser every December. This year we're supporting an old people's home run by Mother Teresa. And we're supporting a school for the blind. And we are supporting an orphanage which is just for girls. So it is very satisfying. But even though Bridget finds her life in Cairo satisfying and she has a glamorous social life and plenty of friends, I wonder if she'd do it all again. I would not do it again. Would I come to Egypt again? Yes. Would I marry some, uh, a foreigner? No. Why? Would I marry someone from this part of the world? No. Why? Well, Mark Twain said, East is East and West is West and never the twain shall meet. And he wrote that when, at a murder trial in London, when a French woman murdered her Egyptian husband. I'm not saying that one should go around murdering husbands or anything like that. Mind you, there are times when you really do feel like it. But I'm saying marriage is difficult, and I believe marriage depends on the constraints that are put on it. When you start off in a mixed marriage, and especially with someone from the Middle East, I am not condemning anyone from the Middle East or anything. It is their culture. It is their way of life, and it's perfectly fine. The Egyptians are a lovely race. They are a great people. It's a great country. But you try coming and fitting into all of that, 
you have to become a Jekyll and Hyde. You have to have your own personality and you have to live in with the ways. It is not easy. I'm not saying you can't do it. I have done it, but it is not easy. You take on another persona. You do become another person. There is no doubt there is big difference in the culture between here and Egypt. There is big difference in the culture. But uh, in saying that, I was easy to accommodate. And when you are happy, you love. And when you love, you sacrifice and you take everything. I don't mind because I love I love my husband. I love the country here. I remember I was in uh, school uh, talking about Egypt and a child, he is eight of age, came, stood up, asking me a question. He said, do you like Egypt more or Ireland more? I said, who you like more, your mother or your father? He said, it's the same. It's, I said, that's exactly my feeling. Through Cairo Airport was presented and produced for RTE Choice by Colette Kinsella.